Well, episode 14 of the Cherokee Rewind set to start. And, of course, I am Mick. Thank you for tuning in, downloading, or however you're consuming this. We always appreciate it as we're coming to you here from the Chateau Louise restaurant and bar. It's a great place to come and grab a meal. Uh, if you want to wet your whistle, always come here to the Chateau Louise in the heart of Luna Pier, Michigan, right on Lake Erie. Always a great place. People here are gold. They'll treat you like, like they should. They're wonderful, and we can't say enough about the place. So they've been really good to us, and we appreciate that greatly. And, well, the, the we that makes this thing go today, our guest today, I'm looking forward to doing this for many selfish reasons, mainly because uh, the history of Toledo hockey, of sports here in, in the Great Lakes, uh, the, the, a lot of it has gone through this guy. And by this guy, I mean a guy who is uh, just synonymous with sports in Toledo. Uh, of course, a lot of people later heard him as the voice of the PA announcer of the Detroit Tigers at Comerica Park. But prior to that, most people remember him downtown Toledo pl- uh, being the voice of the Mud Hens, the PA voice of the Mud Hens. Also, uh, the PA voice prior to that of the Toledo Storm of the ECHL back then, back when it was the East Coast Hockey League. And also uh, spent some time with, uh, you spent a little bit of time with the Walleye, didn't you? I was there four years. Four years, okay. And then also, in addition to that, how many years did you rock with the Cherokee? I was there full-time for two years when there was no hockey in Toledo. And then I also did some games while I was still doing Storm, and some games when I was still doing the walleye. My goodness. And that, of course, is you can recognize that voice anywhere. The one, the only, the, the guy with two or with three Bs in his name, Bob Virgils. Uh, and that, that was a mistake how that happened. How'd that, well, how'd that happen? Back in 1973, I was a student at Western Michigan University, and I was the voice of Western Michigan football on the radio on uh, what we used to call the Muck of Western, WMUK. And in July of 1973, there was a billboard, and it said, here all Western Michigan sports. I, I had a, a, a show, too, a sports show on WMUK, and it said, here all Western Michigan sports with Bob Virgil's, the voice of the Broncos, and they spelled Bob wrong. They spelled it B-O-B-B, and I just, I was livid. I said, oh, my gosh, how can you spell Bob wrong? You know, you could, you could get stopped for drunk driving and spell it backwards and get it right. Yeah. But they spelled it wrong, and, and one of my buddies who was in uh, marketing at the time said, oh, if I were you, I wouldn't complain because someone just did you a favor. I said, what do you mean? They said, well, Bob is kind of a plain name, but now it's Bob, you know, with B-O-B-B. And even when I was in corporate America with uh, DTE Energy, Detroit Edison, AAA Michigan, I could write a note up to the company president and just sign with my first name. So it's, <laughs> it's been a, it's not legal, it's not on any documents, although it's, been written about a bunch of times, but um, that's how Bob got the extra B. Well, that's how Mick is with no E on the end, yes, just M-I-K, yeah. so yeah. go figure. Uh, but uh, Bob Virgil's, of course, has been a part, like I say, synonymous with Toledo sports. Uh, obviously, your background lends to all of this with your with your going to WMU and doing what you did there, but uh, I know you told the story earlier on a radio show. Uh, Garrison deal, a real sports deal on the ticket here in Toledo. But for the folks here in the hockey world that uh, that are listening to this on a podcast, how did you end up getting the gig to come to Toledo? It was in 1990. It was October of 1990, and it was a preseason 
of hockey, and Barry Soskin, who I owe my career to, was going to bring hockey to Toledo. Uh, the Gold Diggers had gone out of business. There was no hockey in Toledo, uh, no professional hockey, for four or five years. Barry wanted to see if there was still interest, so he brought the Erie Panthers and the Cincinnati Cyclones, who that year were an expansion team, mm-hmm. coached by Dennis Rosier, who Toledo fans have always had a love-hate relationship with Rosie. I mean, he was always the man we loved to hate. And uh, there was a, an exhibition game at the sports arena. I can't even recall what the final score was, but the announcer who they had gotten for the game was terrible. So I wrote Barry a big letter, said, I'm much better, and you're going to bring in a, a quality product here, and, and you should sound good too, and I'm your guy. About a month or so later, I get a phone call from a guy by the name of Matt Zaleski. Matt says, uh, Barry got your letter, and he's real interested in talking to you. He'd like to meet you for dinner. I said, okay, sure. I get my calendar book out. He said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving Toledo with him now. We're heading up to, to uh, Metro Airport. He's going to fly back to Chicago. Uh, I see you live in Monroe. Why don't we stop someplace in Monroe? So we stopped at a restaurant in Monroe, which no longer is there. But we had a, a nice dinner. And at the end of the dinner, I said to Barry, I said, uh, would you like me to get you a tape of some sort of me announcing? He says, hang on, Bob. He said, I've sat here for the last hour listening to you talk with your mouth full the entire time. I've understood every word you said. You got the job. <laughs> wow. And that was, that was uh, my introduction into uh, sports PA. Now, I had done play-by-play. I had done play-by-play at Western Michigan of hockey, and I had done play-by-play of football. And when I was with a little radio station called WVMO in Monroe, mm-hmm. I also did baseball, basketball, and football. So I done play-by-play and I done color, but PA is a little bit different, uh, a little bit different animal. Uh, probably the biggest thing it's it is um, regulated by the league, and there are certain things you can say, certain certain things you can't say, certain times you can say them, certain times you can't. This is the first time I really had regulations. Well, besides the FCC regulations against cussing and stuff like oh, that. Oh, sure. But, uh, but uh, my first game I did with the Storm was the first game I ever did PA for, and it kind of took off from there. And, and in the early days, a lot of people didn't realize I played the music, too, on cassettes. Oh, dear. Which had to be rewound after every time, you know, you play like a five-second thing of the cassette. Well, you can't just start it at wherever you stopped it the next time because you're – so I'd have to rewind it. I had a, another uh, little cassette player that I would play into my ear. I would cue up the tape, put it back in the rotation. And there was some stuff that you had to play all the time, like uh, uh, whenever we had a fight, you know, sure. you'd, uh, or when some the other team would get a, a penalty that was stupid, you'd play Mr. Big stuff and, that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of mocking kind of stuff. But I did that for the first five or six years. Wow. That was... Uh, that was, and those are the, the times too when 120 to 150 minutes in penalties in a game was not unusual. Yes. And, yeah. and there were times we'd have four and five guys in the penalty box, boxes, uh, for fighting for both teams. I was going to say, lime rolls were not necessarily out of the question back then. No, and I was there a couple of times when uh, uh, fights started before the season, uh, before the game. Oh, yeah. Before the game. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember going to a couple of those, and uh, yeah, because back then they didn't always have uh, officials standing at center ice 
They didn't have a linesman or a referee standing at center ice to make sure everyone was kosher. And now, of course, they got everything in play that if you cross and go over and start whatever, you, you got hell to pay. But if it's all film, too. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah, you, they didn't have that before. No, well, in fact, I was like the ranking official because I'd be out there getting ready for the game. And the PA announcer in the ECHL is mentioned in the, in the game regulations. And there were times when something would start. The officials would ask me if a Toledo player started. I said, you know, I really didn't see what, pre- what predicated it. I, but uh, it was, those were some pretty wild times. And, and that was a, a great place to start watching hockey. Uh, the Huntington Center is a great place, too. The, the audiences are totally different. Sure. Totally different. Uh, with the Cherokee, uh, the audience is a little smaller, but they are loyal. I remember those years that I did Cherokee games. Those were the same people every night. And yep. they would look. I'd look over and there'd be this man and his wife sitting one place and this guy and his kids sitting one place. And they're always in the same place. It's like going yep. to a Lutheran church. You know, Everybody yep. sits in the same pew every Sunday. Yep. And uh, too, though, I mean, it's... One of those things where, again, you know, you mentioned the difference of type of crowd. I mean, the the sports arena crowd. I mean, let's be honest. It's it's basically ten cent beer night uh, every night. That's what they remembered. Yep, mm-hmm. and everything. Where the uh, the Huntington Center is more. It'd be like taking your kid to a mud hen game. Yes, you know, it's more of a well, thing to do. It's the same group that runs it. I mean, the the same management team runs yeah. the the mud hens and the walleye. And when I was doing the walleye games. Uh, a lot of the people who did mud hen games, there were times we didn't know, especially during playoffs or the beginning of the season. Uh, the the mud hen people and the, the walleye people would have to be split. Yep. And in fact, a couple of the last walleye games I did is because they had mud hen games and they they couldn't get anybody over to to do a walleye game. So I'd have to hustle down from Detroit. Wow. Now, with um, talk to me about what it was. I mean, the, 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 the development that you had with the, I, I guess it started out as a, I don't think it was, I know it became a love affair with the fans showing appreciation, shouting you down and kind of giving you a lot of grief when you were doing the introductions and everything. But talk about the, the, the genesis of it or how it started. I would always introduce uh, every minor official. Uh, the official score. Uh, the penalty timekeeper. In fact, I, I could probably almost still do them in order. I did them so many times. And I was always the last one. And I was saying, I'm your rink announcer, Bob Virgils. Well, Dan Savig from The Blade didn't think that I should be introducing myself. He just thought that was terrible. Mm-hmm. A lot of the fans didn't like Dan. And so when, when he took that shot at me, uh, and he, you know, reporters do that. I, I get it, you know. And I remember I, Dave Hackenberg writing something. Oh about yeah, Hack, too. Hack, Hack took off on me a few times too. But near the, his retirement, uh, he wrote some nice things. So when they brought me back to do special games and things, that was that was kind of nice. And he and I are friends, you know. I mean, he's a he was a good writer, and yeah, writers write. And and I was putting my product out there. Sometimes they didn't agree with it. That's fine. That's fine, but that's how the fans then, because uh, Savig suggested that the fans boo me when I do that. Well, it started out that they would boo and uh, sometimes make a gesture towards where Dan was sitting. <laughs> and I said, please don't do that part, but I don't mind the booing. And then I would hold up a little sign behind me. You could do this in a sports arena. You couldn't do it in, the, in uh, Huntington Center because of the way the crowds were. 
Uh, I mean, they, they were just not lined up so they could see what you could hold up from the penalty box. But in the sports arena, they could. And I'd always hold up some, uh, you know, I said, don't quit your day job, you know. And I'd always hold up what my day job was. And it'd be something funny, you know. I, the, I was the HR director at Hooters or something like that, you know. <laughs> and I, I'd nice. always did that kind of stuff. And uh, it was just, the fans were, I just really loved the fans. And down there, you sat right, a, right among them. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they were literally, I'd, I'd get done at night and, you know, it'd be times that my sport coat would have footprints on it from the people behind us. You know, they'd, they'd get all excited. And uh, I told the story many times, too, about how I would go home uh, smelling like, like alcohol, not because I'd had any, but because I'd been doused with some because people would try to hit the guy in the penalty box. And, uh, you know, a, a throw from 18 rows up is a little difficult. <laughs> Especially you, if you've had a few. Yeah, and when you're six foot four and, and you have nothing behind you, you're the you, – you, you're the one they get. Yes. But those were fun days. Walleye was fun days, too, uh, uh, because there were different promotions. You could play different things, uh, play off different things. Like uh, with uh, one of the fast food restaurants, they had chili. And uh, uh, one night we gave away chili every period. Holy moly. Yeah, and I thought to myself, my gosh, this I'm glad I don't have any uh, any stock in this restaurant. <laughs> Take a loss right there, man. <laughs> yes. But now, you know, we're talking with Bob Virgils here, and I just wanted to also ask you, too, um, how bad did it get when you, I mean, uh, obviously the rivalries uh, back then, I mean, whether it be Fort Wayne or, or later the Erie Panthers, uh, just Columbus, Columbus Chill. Yep. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Dayton Bombers. Uh, Kalamazoo and Cincinnati are that now. Yeah, uh, but not oh, it like was, that. But, but, you know, it's, it's funny. Those We'd see those guys so much, you know, because back then ECHL was only like, what, 12 teams? Yeah. Something like that. that. And, and they were they really were in a, a, a pretty much compact area. If you had a 500-mile trip, that was a long trip. Now the, the league is... Florida to Literally, Alaska. Yeah, yeah, with a stop in California on your way. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but we used to see these guys all the time. And I got to know guys like Brock Woods and Tim Tisdale. Uh, and I got to see some of the guys from the Erie Panthers, uh, Scotty Burfoot and, and some of those guys. Uh, Duncan Coburn from Dayton and Jason Downey from Dayton. Jason Downey, and I remember him. funniest thing was, I told Tisdale one time, and he's in a penalty box, he said, uh, we were just chatting, and and, and I told him, I said, well, you know what? You guys, I, I always eat at this little uh, Greasy Spoon restaurant down the street from the sports arena. You guys stop in tonight, and I got, I got everybody. You know, I'll pick up the tab for everybody. I didn't realize that he'd go back. And sure enough, <laughs> I'm sitting there. I'm, I've, I'm paying my five bucks for my chili and my two hot dogs and my, and my uh, root beer. And here comes this. Here comes the Wheeling Nailers, or actually they were the Thunderbirds then. Here yep. comes the Wheeling Thunderbirds bus. And where this restaurant is, there's like six or eight restaurants. I figure, well, I'll probably get Tizzy and maybe Brock Woods because I like those guys. Oh, no. <laughs> the whole Wheeling Thunderbirds team comes filing into the restaurant. Cram in there, huh? And, and, and my bill was 120 bucks. Holy smokes. Now, luckily, I was a, a regular there, so the... The uh, the guy who ran it, his well, his name was George, and the guy that ran it said, "Hey, I know I'll see you another couple nights. You just bring the rest of it in when you when you wow. come." Wow, that's 
and you actually thinking about it. You, even back then, you got out pretty light. Yeah, oh, considering yeah. Well, the hot dogs then were fifty cents, sixty cents a piece, something like that. And uh, but some of these guys, I tell you what, some of these guys were taking six and eight of them. I, they were looking for boxes to put them in. Holy cow! Yeah. That's crazy. Tell now, did you uh, did you ever get uh, to see some of the uh, some of the humor, some of the uh, pranks, or any of that kind of stuff when you were when you were there at either the sports arena or Huntington? Not really, because I never really uh, hung with many of the players or did much with the players. And and some of my experience with players, uh, oh, I've been called upon by bar owners in Monroe County who realized that a storm player was passed out in his bar and he knew me and I mean the the, the barkeep knew me and said hey can you come and get so-and-so and and you know take him home and I've had a couple things like that uh the funniest thing the storm used to have a guy by the name of Daryl Bootland who later ended up in the in the National Hockey League yep. with the Red Wings for a little bit and I, he played for somebody else too but uh Booter came in one time he says uh, you guys got anything to eat no, this is this is the penalty box. This is not the the hot dog stand, you know. Oh, jeez. So, but one thing about Bootland, you knew that the next game he was going to be getting a penalty. So the next night, I brought in like some of these little, uh, uh, oh, they're little puddings and stuff, you know. Oh, you, yeah. you put them in lunch boxes and stuff. So I brought in a couple of those. And first first uh, period, he gets a penalty, and I said, Booter, are you still hungry? Oh, bleepity bleep, yeah, I am. So I I throw the I throw the, oh my uh, the little uh, thing over to him, and he opens it up, and and he he keeps looking. You know, the coach is over there, Holland's over there. He keeps looking, and he, he'll take like a couple of fingers and scoop some pudding out of him and, and eat oh, it real quick. And then I get put caught. It, yeah, but then he came back in the third period. He says, "You got anything else?" Oh and, my! And, and Chuck Kinnearum, who was the penalty timekeeper, he he was a I tell you, he died way before his time, but he was a real. Uh, 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 a classic in Toledo. I, I love that guy. He'd always have peanuts. He'd, he'd bring a, a, one of these big five-pound bags of peanuts and he'd eat them in the whole game. Oh, my. And so, sure enough, sure enough Chuck says, well, you want some peanuts? Yeah, okay. So, Booter's eating these peanuts. He gets some of the shells on his on his skate and, oh, uh, no. and a blade. So, so, when he goes out on the ice, he almost he almost did a swan dive as he oh my jumped God. back in the ice. But we'd had referees that would come by. We had a, I won't name the referee because he's, uh, he's rather high up now. Mm-hmm. And uh, he skated over one night and called this horrible penalty, horrible penalty. And Kinnerum says to him, what is that called? Jeez. And he says, well, he says, you know, it's been kind of a quiet night. He says, and I really wanted some peanuts. <laughs> and so sure enough. He stands there while he's supposedly like explaining it to us. Yeah. He's, he's eating these peanuts. <laughs> oh my gosh! See, that's the kind of stuff I love. I love hearing stories like that. That those are the best. Uh, now, what uh, what was it that? Okay, so obviously, you know, doing minor league hockey was a great thing for you. But what made you get the itch to come and down to the ice house and get behind the microphone there? Actually, uh, Brandy Stanton asked me if I would do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brandy and I had worked games with the uh, Toledo Storm. And before that time, I had done games with the Team Toledo Ice Diggers. Yeah, I remember that. Mike Bin was a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
uh, and um, I'm trying to think, uh, a guy that I worked with at Fermi, his son played. And uh, so he introduced me to Ben, and Ben says, could you come do some games? Well, I enjoyed doing the games, and, you know, wasn't making any money doing it, but it was fun doing the games. And, and then uh, when they left, they went to Alpena. Mm -hmm. That's when... Uh, uh, that's when the uh, Cherokee pretty much had free reign of the ice house and well except for the broomball games beforehand and the oh, high yeah. school games afterward but uh, when Brandy said hey could you come and do some games so I did and then I got to know uh, Mike Robertson and I got to know Chris and uh, uh, Chuck and and yourself and I really enjoyed the the uh, Cherokee environment and uh, you know we were able to call the fans the Cherokee nation you know and and uh, all Cherokee are back in the war path. Uh, Toledo's oh, back in full that. strength. Those, you know, those kinds of things. And it was fun and uh, didn't make any money at it. Uh, but still, it was enjoyable. It was hockey. And especially for the years that there was nothing in Toledo. Yep. And I had no guarantee I was coming back because I had read a bunch of times where I knew the walleye wanted to divorce themselves as much as they could from the storm because the storm was not the kind of crowd that they they wanted mm -hmm. there in this nice new arena. And I thought, well, who's most identifiable with the Toledo Storm? But me. Yep. So they're not going to want me back. And then uh, I got a call three weeks before the hockey season. In fact, a guy who thought he was going to be doing the games, uh, he thought he had been offered the games, called me and said, hey, listen, there's a couple of games I can't do. Can you do some walleye games for me? Oh, yeah, this would be a lot of fun. I said, but make sure management says it's okay because remember I'm part of that old group of the storm I don't know if they want any affiliation and so uh, sure enough uh, about the time right after he had called me and asked me if I would fill in for him that's when the walleye folks called me and said we'd like you to do the games and I said well you might want to call this other gentleman who believes that you ask him to, to do the games and uh, I said by the way he's a friend of mine I don't want to make it look like I'm trying to, you know, cut the guy's legs out from under him. And uh, uh, sure enough, they were able to, to take care of that. But, um, yeah, it, it was kind of a, a kind of a rough situation. But it, I loved getting a chance to do the walleye game and games. And, and it's a funny thing. When the walleye season started up, all the minor officials were former Storm guys. You know, oh, because wow. those, Well, those... Those are not positions that you could just throw guys in who always wanted to do it. You know, you had to use guys who had done it before. So um, that's that's pretty much why I think they. But I, I was really glad, and and uh, uh, I'd always really liked. This is this is funny how I got uh, involved with the Walleye Group and the Mudhen Group, because my first year with the Storm. Some of the guys who became the management team mm -hmm. for the Toledo Mud Hens were interns with the Toledo Storm. Wow. Neil Newcomb, uh, Jimmy Kinesny, Eric Ibsen, those guys all, all worked uh, as interns. And they remembered me because I was nice to them. You know, so many times interns are just, uh, they're, they're not treated very nicely. But I figured, hey, we're all in this together. So, And sure enough. A few years later, they, they called me to do Mud Hen games, so I got to know everybody. And then when they bro, uh, you know, branched into hockey, they they called me. And it was, I think it was Joe Napoli who said, why hasn't anybody asked Bob yet? Because <laughs> wow. Joe and I go back a long way. We go sure. back a long way. That's amazing. Now, 
uh, you know, let's talk now. Let's spend some time. I know you. we still haven't even talked about the Tigers yet, but <laughs> I want to talk to you for a little bit here about your time at the Ice House with Toledo. Um, what coaches, uh, you said you were there a couple years. What coaches did, uh, were in Toledo when you were there? The one I remember most was Dunk. Yeah. Ian Duncan. Um, Kenny Miller was his assistant. And I'm trying to think who came in after Dunk. Um, gosh, I, I can't remember, but there was, was a... Scott also, Searing? I just can't remember. Yeah, I think... But, but there was a guy before him mm-hmm. uh, who had uh, played junior hockey in Detroit and had uh, been on the uh, Toledo Storm's first playoff roster. And I, I keep thinking Vargas, but I know it's not that. It's not Chris Varga. Varga. Is it Varga, Varga or Tarsha? Okay. Well, Tarsha, you know what? Yeah, because uh, Var- Tarsha's from East Toledo. Okay. Well, that, it, then it was Varga. It, it, it was, uh, yeah, and that might have been uh, the Ice Diggers. I don't know. Because I know Vargs was the coach. He It was him with Ian Duncan under him. And then when Vargs was let go, Dunk came in and took over. Mm-hmm. And he was the assistant, so he just moved up a slot. Right. And so when uh, when the team when Dunk and the Cherokee parted ways, I want to say it was Searing that came in. But the 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 uh, guy that was there through all of it was Chris Tarsha. Yes. And he, was it- his dad was Sam Tarsha uh, over here, over in the, over the over the river. And I believe Tarsh had a cup of coffee with the storm. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He's one of those guys. There were a number of guys from the Toledo area who would be signed up, say somebody got called up and somebody got hurt, and all of a sudden you're, you're looking at, at starting a game with 14 players, including two goalies. Well, you can't quite do that. So Tarsha was one of those guys. I'm trying to think. Uh, Robbie Dunauer was always on standby. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, we used to call him the Ageless Wonder. Yep. Ageless, well, and uh, Jack Kaufman was another guy yep. who uh, got a lot of storm and walleye time. In fact, his dad told me one time, because his dad is John Kaufman, who's now the uh, uh, penalty timekeeper for the walleye. And in fact, John and I used to work together in Monroe. So. Uh, uh, that's I got him involved. He was a penalty uh, door guy at, at one time, but then he he moved up when Chuck left. But he uh, he has a clipping from the newspaper every time Jack, his son, was activated and released. <laughs> he says he has like a hundred newspaper clippings from it. And, and in fact, they some some newspaper, the New York Times or something, did did a story one time about backup goalies in the minor leagues and how they never ever play. Although there was a guy. Just before COVID came through, yeah, uh, they played in the National Hockey League. Who yep. was like a trainer or something? Yeah, like it was, uh, he was from uh, Carolina. Yeah, 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 that guy. Yeah, I remember that. He got called up in the third period, and they thought, "Oh man, they were ready to." And they, he he really played well, and they did a whole national story on him. It was just awesome. Oh yeah, and, and he beat the Leafs, which of course, if you're a devout Red Wing fan like yours truly, <laughs> never a bad day. Well, but, exactly. But uh, now, you know, the thing I remember about with Robbie Dunauer talking about backup goalies, emergency, I, I can remember seeing going to a storm game, seeing him there on the bench, looking at him, and he'd nod at me and not, not back. And I'd say to my friends there while we're having a couple of ginger ales and we're sitting there going, I looked at him and I go, 
I scored a goal on him in beer league the other night. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on. And, and we'd laugh. But, I mean, Robbie was a good guy. Still is. Yeah. Great oh, guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can't say enough nice things about Robbie. And, and you know, it's just so funny uh, to see him and, and, and do that. And I'm like, oh, man, they really need, they must need some help in between the pipes. But uh, To my knowledge, a backup goalie never had to play uh, for the uh, – for the Storm or the Walleye in my time. Now, when I first started with the Storm, you know who our backup goalie was in case we only had Emergency one guy? backup? Tim Mauser. Oh, yes, GM. that's right, that's right. Because I remember he, that. he had played professional hockey in the IHL. Yes, you're right. I remember that. Oh, my gosh. Because I, I keep forgetting Mauser was, who man, that's a long time ago. Yeah. But uh, 1991. Goodness. Man, oh, man. Now, you know, it uh, did – when you see how crazy did it get when you were there at the ice house because that you have that walkway in the back and if things got out of hand a little bit uh between teams they could go oh. back in the back and i well i had uh, some visiting teams challenge me you know because they'd oh they'd be just cussing and everything else and i you know i'm a big guy and and deep voice and not afraid of these guys you know and and I'd, I'd say, hey, uh, you know, would you like your mom to hear what you're saying? And that guy said, oh, bleepity bleep you. And, I, and then, well, Robert, Mike Robertson and I, because he would run a, the penalty clock, we had a little thing there, and every once in a while he'd say, you know, this guy led three, three pro leagues and penalties. He'd point to me. <laughs> and, and, and the guys would kind of tame down a little bit. That's funny. Oh, my gosh. But every that's... once in a while I'd, I'd be announcing a penalty, and I'd have to stop. And ask the guy to be quiet, because you know it's relatively quiet there. And, yeah. And uh, there was, well, there was some gla- plexiglass there, mm-hmm. but uh, you could still hear, you know, because we were kind of enclosed. If a guy is is getting a little bit blue with his language, I know you could probably pick some of that up over the PA system. And I, you, you know, we're not going to have that as long as I'm putting my finger on the button. So uh, I'd stop and say, hey, just, just be quiet. You know, and of course, then then you get it even more. Oh, of course. Now, you know, I just I remember uh, back then. You, I mean, you you instituted some things with the Cherokee that were part of uh, the storm, and later the uh, your time within and at at the walleye as Let's well. Count Let's them count up. them up. That's always was the big one. <laughs> and they, if I'm not mistaken, I think they still do it from time to time. Good. Good. They still do it. Uh, they will talk about that. And uh, just, I mean, it's little things like that, that you know what somebody means to not just uh, a particular team, but in your case, a city. I mean, you're, I mean, let's face it. You're, I mean, now, you were born in Toledo? I was born in Toledo in 1952, and we lived on Hoyles Avenue in West Toledo until 1963. When uh, I was 11 years old, we moved out to Ida, and I went to school in Ida starting in the sixth grade and graduated from Ida High School 50 years ago wow. uh, this year. We, we had kind of a mini 50th uh, reunion last night. COVID kind of uh, cut With our numbers kibosh, yeah. big time. But those of us who... Uh, you know, we, we sat six feet apart, and there was not a whole lot of hugging and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, so we we watched all the things we had to watch. And, of course, I had the minute I got back in my car, I had my hand sanitizer. But, uh, yeah, I'm originally from, from Toledo, and 
the Toledo Sports Arena, I had seen so many games as a kid. So when I got to do the Storm games, it was, oh my gosh, it was just the coolest thing because here's this arena that even at that time it was 45 or 50 years old, and I got to be part of it. And the la- and what's really cool, it was the last part. Mine was the last voice heard on the PA system there, and that meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And then I went out and um, uh, kissed the ice yeah. for one last time, and then that became a tradition for me at the last game wherever I, I was. When I did my last game uh, uh, each year for the Cherokee, I'd go out and kiss the center ice. And uh, uh, when I did my last game for the walleye that I knew was my last game, I went out and, and kissed the ice. I'm almost 70 years old now, so I don't know that I would get up once I went down to try to kiss the ice. So I don't know that I would do that if I ever get another shot to come back with somebody. Do you ever, I was going to say, do you ever have an, like an urge to get back in it? I tried to get back with the Tigers uh, uh, this year because the gentleman who took my place only lasted one year and then he passed away. And totally, uh, totally unrelated to that, I was moving from Florida where I lived back to Michigan. I live right outside of Flat Rock now, and uh, I've, I've clocked it. It's 21 minutes from my door to the parking spot at Comerica Park. So I told the Tigers, hey, I'd really like to come back. Uh, because I am 68 years old, I think they wanted to, and, and I'd had a heart attack after, uh, after I left the Tigers in uh, 2018. Actually, I had two heart attacks and quadruple bypass. Uh, I think they were a little wary of that, so they got someone who's significantly younger than me. Uh, but heck, even if I was announcing this year, who would I be announcing to? Exactly. <laughs> Nobody in the stands. No, but it's just, I mean, it's just the, the number of games, though, you know. Well, 3,898 is what uh, that's a few years ago. A guy from the Detroit News asked me how many games I did, and, and I went back because I used to keep a record every year of how many games I did. You start out doing that to make sure you're getting paid right. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just, you just keep doing it to, to make sure that you have kind of a record of how many games you did. And sure enough, my last game was on uh, March 12th. That was the Tigers exhibition game against Pittsburgh. Turned out to be the last baseball game played before Major League Baseball shut everything down for COVID. And we were the last game being played. In fact, uh, Minnesota was on their way from Fort Myers to someplace. And they turned them around. They were supposed to play a, a 6 o'clock game that night. They turned them around. Well, the Tigers ended up playing till 4.15 that afternoon. We were the last game in the United States being played, Major League Baseball game. Wow. Uh, and then it was kind of sad. But it was part of history. We knew it was coming. NBA had shut down the night before. Uh, NHL shut down the day after. So it, it was, um, and I understand it. I know it's kind of controversial with football now, and, and like the ECHL has knocked the season back two months, yep. the start of it. I would imagine uh, uh, the Cherokee may be affected in some similar way. I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're, I talked to Todd this morning, and they were, they were looking at uh, having everyone. Usually they're already here reporting yes. In oh, yes. so that they can uh, get things started in September. Well, they're going to uh, – my understanding is they're going to in the mid, in mid September they're supposed to show up, and then they're going to try and get things started by the end of the month. So end of the of September, beginning of October is the is the goal. 
Okay. So, but, uh, you know, of course, as per anything these days, everything is subject to change. Well, I, I'm getting married December 31st at the outdoor hockey game at Fifth Third Field at the walleye game. And everything's on hold there because all the people we were dealing with have been laid off. Wow. Uh, you know, because they, they deal with games and, and things like that. So uh, they've been laid off. There's nobody I can talk to about a menu. Uh, the walleye, I'm assuming, are still going to try to have the outdoor game. And Indianapolis was the scheduled opponent. I don't know if that would still be. But uh, Gloria Bohach, who is my fiance, she and I were going to be married in the first intermission of the outdoor hockey game on uh, New Year's Eve. Wow. That's incredible. Well, first off, congratulations. Thank That's you. the most important thing. Uh, the second thing is <clears throat> um, this, you know, obviously this whole thing has got the whole sports world turned upside down. But aside from the whole issue with COVID and everything, now how uh, do you still watch sports? Do you still I do. follow? Oh, on? I do. In fact, uh, uh, I watch the Tigers all the time. Uh, today I had to answer a lot of uh, letters. I, I get people sending me letters and, and stuff like that. And I, of course I have bills I got to write. So yeah. I just took everything and put it on my lap and did it while I was watching the ball game. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I, I watch sports religiously. I, I watch the NHL stuff, but not that much because most of the time I have to watch sports, it's Tiger time. Yes. And so, I, even that, though even though the Tigers didn't bring me back, I'll always be a Tiger. I mean, I got to do two World Series at a Major League Baseball All-Star game. And, and Lord knows how many dinners I've spoken at. Uh, because I was associated with the Tigers. Tigers were just a, a fantastic thing for me in my career. And, and, and when you figure, when I got that job, 140 people applied. 12 of us got interviewed, or 12, yeah, 12 got interviews. Five of us auditioned, and I got picked. They called me on April 1st of uh, 2004, and it was someone who called me from the Tigers who I didn't recognize the name. And, you know, it's April 1st. I got a bunch of friends who like to pull jokes. And I just kind of let off with some language I probably shouldn't have with the lady. And I said, this better not be a joke. And she said, well, I hope that you wouldn't use this language on the PA system uh, with the Tigers. And sure enough, she was one of the HR people. But I never dealt with her. I I dealt with the the marketing people who – did all the interviews and all the game, you know, game day people who did interviews and stuff. And so I had no idea who this lady was. I no sooner hung the phone up, she must have walked across the hall and talked to my soon-to-be boss, who just just really let me have it about, hey, uh, you know, we had to go through a lot of, a lot of hoops here. And, and uh, he said, because you did minor league stuff, uh, there was a lot of people didn't want you here because they thought you'd, you know, kind of be a loose cannon. And uh, uh, we, we really don't appreciate, you know, what you said. I said, well, and, and I, I totally understand. I shouldn't have done it. But I've got friends who knew that I was waiting for a call from the Tigers. And this is April Fool's Day. But as you can tell, I was there for 15 years. So they, they forgave me. <laughs> and, and there I was on, uh, on opening day. Now, uh, that is too funny. Now, what? I mean, obviously, that's a dream come true job for you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For anybody. Well, true. But, I mean, being at the highest level of a sport, um, growing up, what were the sports that you were most passionate about? Obviously, baseball. Baseball. 
I saw my first Tiger game in 1960, in September 1960. Uh, I really wanted to see Rocky Colavito. He was my oh, yeah. favorite. He's still in my bucket list to meet. I've gotten to meet so many Hall of Famers uh, in Detroit. Well, clearly Al Kaline mm-hmm. uh, and Jack Morris and Alan Trammell. Uh, and then with the Yankees, I met uh, Phil Rizzuto and I met Tommy Lasorda and, and some of these guys who have come through the – and Jim Leland, who one day will be in the Hall of Fame. He should be. Uh, I got to, got to meet all those guys. Baseball was always the sport I was most passionate about. But I really liked hockey. We'd go down and, and watch the Toledo Blades. Oh, yeah. And my dad's uh, uh, employer was Irv Pollock, who was a big sponsor of – sports at the time and uh, Irv was uh, oh we always had tickets whatever we wanted tickets for we had I was not a, a, an athlete at all uh, in high school I tried out for baseball uh, got cut all four years in high school basketball I got hurt my first two years and by the time my third year came around everybody was so much farther ahead of me that you know I'm 6'4 you'd think that would be my natural but no, I never, never played that. Um, we used to get a, a Sunday game. Practically every Sunday, the kids from Ida and the kids from Summerfield would play at, on Lynx Cranberry Bog in the wintertime. So uh, I, I didn't skate well, but I did skate. But no, baseball was, baseball was the thing. And, and interestingly enough, when I was doing um, hockey for the Storm, I also did roller hockey in Detroit. And... Uh, a team called the Motor City Mustangs. That was the summer of 1995. Uh, and Marty Howe was the coach, which meant that Gordy Howe and Mrs. Howe always came to the games because their son was a coach. Sure. Well, Mr. Howe would walk around in the first half chasing his grandsons around. Well, he got tired, so he'd come up and sit in the press box right next to the disc jockey and I during during the uh, games. I mean, and, and I... People say, oh, my gosh, you must have all kinds of Gordie Howe autographs. I said, no. I, I was doing a game, and, and he was there to get away from that kind of stuff. So I, I never did ask. But a couple of times he'd say, my gosh, Bob, you, you should do the Red Wings someday. I said, Mr. Howe, if anybody can convince him, <laughs> it's you. Uh, but I'm, uh, when uh, Bud Lynch left, I'm so glad that, you know, I, I would have liked to have been considered. But I totally understand, and I'm very happy for Eric Freiney. Yep. who's done those games for a long time. You won't find a nicer guy uh, in sports. He's just a nicer guy, and, and uh, uh, he, he delivers well. And uh, I got to work with him on a hockey game when the Red Wings played Toronto on that uh, New Year's Day game, the outdoor, the outdoor game, game at, at uh, Michigan Stadium, because Michigan brought me in. Uh, well, actually, uh, NBC TV brought me in to do the introductions of the United States Olympic hockey team uh, both the women and the men. The women were in the second intermission, and the men were right after the game. Um, that was what, 2014? Yeah, 14 it, or it 15. Was, whatever like year there was outdoor Olympics, and uh, the women were all there, and they would not give me. NBC TV would not give me the list of the people until about five minutes before I had to introduce them on national TV. Because it was a big secret. Remember, we were revealing the United States Olympic hockey team. Sure. And so what they did is one of the network guys took me off into this room. It, it, it was no more than, no more size than like a little bathroom, you know. And it was yeah. just a couple of seats. And they 
put a guy out front of the door so nobody could walk by. And I, I practiced the names because I was seeing them for the first time. But this was a big secret. And then I, I you know, did the, the whole shot. And, and uh, then the third, or after the game was over, we introduced the men's United States Olympic hockey team. And there were five guys there, two Red Wings and three Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, now they actually skated out in their Olympic jerseys. Wow. But what we did, because there's like a 24-member team or something like that, what they did is they had bigger kids from like Ann Arbor Huron, Ann Arbor Pioneer, places up in the Ann Arbor area that had hockey. They put these kids in the jerseys of the guys who were being introduced, and they'd skate out with the guy's jersey on, and they had the helmet of, say, Minnesota, or they had the helmet of uh, St. Louis or whatever team the, the guy was on. Okay. And it was... And I didn't get a chance to see it until it was over because when you're doing that, you can't watch. You have to, you have to watch your copy. Mm-hmm. And there would uh, be a producer who stood behind me, and when I was supposed to talk, he would tap me on my right shoulder. And when I had to stop, he would tap me on my left shoulder. Okay. And so we did that all the way through, and I didn't know what it looked like until I got home because my, my kids had, uh, had uh, taped it you know, off the uh, TV. So I got to got to see it there, which was was pretty cool, um, but it was uh, quite a quite a spectacle to be able to do that. Wow! Uh, and it was um, I'll never forget. It took me as long to get out of Ann Arbor as it took for the hockey game, because it started snowing. If if you remember yes. that game, it snowed through in the entire game. Yep. Stopped the game five different times to come out with shovels yep. to shovel the uh, the ice off or the snow off the ice, and the game took a while, and then we had all this stuff after the game with the Olympic stuff. Well, by the time I got out of the, you know, I had a really nice parking spot right up near the big house, but that meant I had to drive through people and park oh, cars yeah. and, and snow and stalled cars and, and all kinds 100, of stuff. 115,000 of your closest friends. Oh, absolutely. And it was it was something else getting out of there. It, it took me almost four hours, and I was I had a half a tank of gas when I left. I had to stop at a gas station at 94 and State Street. Oh, my goodness. Because I didn't think I could get home. Oh, my goodness. That, <laughs> but that, is... that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Oh, my gosh. See, that's the stuff that I love because you don't hear about that stuff that goes on in the, behind the scenes and everything. No, you know? And it was such a big secret with the United States Olympic team. I mean, uh, and, and I could, I, I didn't appreciate that at the time. You know, because all I said was, you mean I gotta go sit in this little tiny room just before, and it's just before I'm doing this, you know, to to a worldwide audience. It was NBC yep. TV, yep. And uh, but it was uh, it was That's cool. I, well, I tell, and I'm sure you've heard me say, I consider myself the luckiest man I've ever met, and that's just another example of just how lucky I've been in my career. Yeah. Well, but it also it takes talent and it takes uh, hard work, and. Hard work and, and it takes timing. I, I'm sure that there were people after I got the Tiger job who were better qualified for it than I was, but I already had the job and I hadn't messed up. So, well, let's keep him. Yep. Uh, and with uh, University of Michigan, when I first started, my uh, when I did basketball there, uh, my style was a whole lot different than the guy they'd had for years. And so, uh, oh my gosh, I used to read 
on the internet just how terrible I was and all that stuff. So I don't, I don't read my reviews anymore. Smart man, smart man. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, I it just cracks me up because, I mean, people don't realize what all goes into doing this stuff. It isn't just you flip on a mic and hey, everybody. I, exactly. Well, look at the pronunciations. Yes. You know, and, and I know when I was with the Cherokee, the, these were not guys coming in. These were not guys who you had seen on NHL Network or things like that. These were names that you better not guess. Yep. And I'm sure you ran into that. Well, you'd, yep. you'd see these guys more than I would, but you never guess a guy's name. The only time I did was in, when we played one year or two years. Uh, we played Flint, and they had a new coach and during his time there. He would not let I would go and get try to get lineups and try to get you know starters and the whole nine yards, and he wouldn't give them to me. He's like, it's just a superstition thing, and I'm like, you're kidding me. And so I would finally get what would happen. I think it was Mike Robertson would make a copy of the starting lineup that was handwritten. Yeah. In, it was handwritten. And he would run me a copy of it up to the up to the booth yeah. of what it was. And I'd sit there. And first of all, it was a copy. So the writing, you couldn't read real well. So I'm over here trying to, you know, I got this p- little piece of paper that I'm trying to make out what it says. And, and what a 15 looks like an 18. Yes, exactly. Or, <laughs> or 16. like a 16. Yes. <laughs> and it just and then I just look on the ice and stuff. And I would just kind of figure out, you know, I'd, I'd write the numbers down of during, during the national anthem. I would look and see what the numbers were of the starters and just make a little line next to their name and just kind of guess from there. And then I just kind of go with it from there. And after a while, I got okay at it. But, I mean, still, it was just the idea. It drive you nuts. Well, and, and you're like me. You want to get it right. Yeah. You know, it just, um, especially with the visiting team coming in, you know mom and dad are listening wherever they happen to be. Yep. And... You know, if you're getting Junior's name wrong, suddenly they think you're probably describing the the, the game wrong too. Yep. You know, and that I, I matter of fact, I can remember we were playing Chicago one night, and it was me and Mitch Jensen, who was my color analyst at the time, and uh, we were doing the game, and we got a nice email from a couple parents in Chicago that said that you know usually when we listen to other broadcasts around the league, we hear mostly the home team. And only a little bit about Chicago, and you don't really hear much about them other than to be real negative about them, or that you know he's that guy, that guy, that guy. You or, don't or hear saved them. by the goalie, and you always get yeah. the goalie's name, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and stuff he said, but you guys actually uh, would talk about the uh, talk about the players on the other team, and if they made a good play, you didn't play, you didn't talk, come off as homers. Uh, and 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 you treated the other team with respect and da 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 da. And it was just a real nice couple of emails that we got and stuff from them. And I just was like, you know, that's the way I was taught. You know, old school. You know, you you didn't uh, overdo. Even though you're you're for one team, you're rooting for one team. You don't root on the air. Right. You know. You, I mean, you can get excited and stuff and be happy when they do good or when they score or whatever. But you didn't. Uh, you didn't overdo it with being a homer. Yeah. You know, I mean. Uh, and, and your team is not we. Yeah. That was, that was the first thing. Uh, the guy who taught me broadcasting was Ira C. Smith. And he said, you never, ever refer to we. You are not part of the team. You're 
the broadcaster. So, you know, I remember those things. And, you know, it's just so much I still laugh about some of the things because I think I look now and it's like, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of we and us and, you know, things like that. And I I don't know. I just look at it and I, and it's it's I still like I said, I still enjoy the, the young up and comers because I'm, I'm, I was just a stuttering fat kid from the north end growing up you know and i tried to i watch i grew up on hockey night in canada well, yeah and uh, and the guys that I, the announcers that i resonated with were the old school guys the red wings bruce martin oh yes uh you know i loved bruce martin she's, she's gone yes yeah, that's how and that's how i did my voice would crack because of him him and of course with uh, toledo with uh, Len Hardman. Oh, I remember Lenny Hardman, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That guy, I mean, I hung on every word he said. Holy Toledo, the gold diggers win the Turner Cup. Yep, back in the days when it was in, uh, who was it? Was it Teddy him? Garvin. Uh, yeah, and uh, Teddy, or was it uh, WTUU? When w, when Seaway was uh, WTUU. Oh, you know, I forgot what station he was on, but I it remember it was Lenny Hardman. Yeah, yeah it's 1230. Uh, WCWA, which I mean, prior yeah. to it was known as WTUU, because he would always he would always do the legal ID during the broadcast, no matter what. It would be a for for a commercial break, whatever. It wasn't at the top or the bottom of the hour, and he would still just be doing. And you're listening to the WTUU Toledo, you know, and stuff. He'd do the legal ID, and I would just I just like eat it up, man. Could I just hung on every word, and that's what made me want to do this stuff, and. I, you know, so, you know, of course, listening to guys like that and, of course, everyone's, you know, Bob Cole, Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah. But the guy that probably I, the two guys I resonated most with, or not resonated, but really uh, admired and wanted to emulate, even though I couldn't on a, on a good day, was uh, Foster Hewitt. Oh, yeah. Foster Hewitt. Foster Hewitt. <laughs> but uh, the other guy. Was Danny Gallivan? Oh, Danny, yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. From Hockey Night in Canada, from yep. Montreal, and those guys. I mean, he would he would make he would come up with words, you know, a scintillating save or a canonizing shot, you know, all those all those things like that that were so they were Gallivanisms. Yeah. And so you just, I mean, I just uh, as a guy who wanted to do that, you know, I would sit, I would as a five year old kid, I remember standing on my toilet, leaning over to look in the mirror. And start doing uh, commercials and broadcasting and things like that. And I one time I actually slipped off the commode and ended up hitting my arm against the sink and breaking my arm. <laughs> yes, true story. It and gives new meaning to the word commercial break. Yes, it was a commercial break that it was. And, you know, except I didn't break a leg. I broke an arm. <laughs> but, you know, so those are the things that I remember greatly. Now, you mentioned, I want to ask you here. Uh, you mentioned Rocky Calavito as yeah. on your bucket list. Is there anyone else sports-wise that you still want to meet yet on your bucket list? Not really. It's Rocky. The ones I really want to meet, I have. Uh, and so many were Tigers, and I would get to meet them when they'd have like a reunion of the 68 Tigers, the 84 Tigers, or whatever. And, and a lot of the Tigers I came up with. I knew them when I was in Toledo and knew them when, when they made it to Detroit. But Rocky's really the only one still on my bucket list who I'd like to meet. Uh, he lives outside of Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I read that he he owns, I think it's, is it a fertilizer company? It's it's something that is just totally un-Rocky. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I was a kid, everybody in Little League would come up and we'd stretch like Rocky and we'd point our bat at the pitcher like Rocky. 
Uh, we'd fight over wearing number seven. Wow. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, and, you know, you, you talk about how you got your start. I was not a very good baseball player, but I always played summer baseball. And I'd be on the bench, and I would announce the games as if I was doing play-by-play. And I, oh, I swear there were times that I got put in the game because the, uh, the coach just didn't want to listen to me anymore. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and this theory, I, I proved this theory because if we had the first base bench, that night when I got put in, I'd be put in left field. Or if our bench was on the third base side, when I got put in, I'd either play first base, which is my natural position, or right field. Or right field. Because I'd be as far away from the bench as they could put me. Oh, my gosh. But I used to do that all the time. In fact, uh, I was at a class reunion uh, just recently, and, and somebody said, you know, because we were talking about my, some of them, some, I hadn't seen some of these folks since we graduated. Okay. And uh, they were saying, I remember when we played baseball together, and you used to sit there and talk about those games throughout the game, and then they'd put you in, oh. and you'd be out in the field. And there's a there's a fly ball in the right field. Virgil's is under it. He's got it for out number two. Nice. Nice. Oh, my gosh. That is funny. Now, uh, you've, you've – now that you're, you know, like I said, you are still uh, passionate about the business. Yes. Uh, I understand now you are starting to now do – still get back into it a little bit with on the music side of things. Talk about what you've been doing lately. I, I have a, um, a, a Motown music show. On a station in Monroe, it's a non-commercial station in Monroe, and I have an hour on uh, Tuesday night and Sunday night. And then uh, I also have a show, an interview show, on uh, an Internet radio station, which is based out of Monroe. And those broadcasts are on Sunday and Tuesday. And interestingly enough, on Tuesday night, I compete with myself. Because (laughs) one of my shows starts at 7, and it's on till 8. And the other one comes out at 7.30, and it's oh, on until yeah. almost 8. So, so I, I compete with myself. So you go head-to-head. I go head-to-head. But actually, I use uh, on the music show, I use my old rock and roll disc jockey name of Wally Kaiser. Because oh, that's, okay. that's, that's more of a music name than Bob Regeals. Bob Regeals brings you the sports or the news, but he, he's not a disc jockey. <laughs> Wally Kaiser could do nothing but play music. Right? I was going to say, either that or else, uh, yeah, I know him. He does my taxes. But... <laughs> You know, that's pretty much how I I, I would see it. But, uh, okay, well, now, my gosh, it's been an hour, and it feels like it's only been about three minutes. It feels like it's only been three minutes. Like I said, this is – I've enjoyed this, like I say, from a – never mind the fact that you're a friend, and I I love you to pieces, and you're a great guy. We've known each other for a long time. Yeah, Yeah. but it's just the idea that also it's a a history lesson about Toledo and about – you know, here in Northwest Ohio, Southeastern Michigan, uh, some of the things. Uh, have you tell me about what, you, from your perspective, what you've seen as far as uh, some of the uh, the guys that have followed you, that have come after you, um, some of uh, the, the 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 things that you've seen, uh, the maybe uh, some guys that you've seen that you thought, oh. That guy might make it sometime, or that guy, who knows? Well, I tell you what, uh, there's three guys uh, who I met when they were really young, and I'm really proud of what they're doing now. Well, actually four, actually four. Um, the first one was Kevin Mullen. Now, Kevin oh, yeah. is in uh, uh, fundraising kind of jobs now, but I was judging a beauty pageant 
in Maumee one time. And, of course, they read your bio and introduce you to the crowd. And, and Kevin came up to me later and said, oh, my gosh. He said, I have always wanted to do what you're doing. And I was still with the Mudhens at the time. I hadn't gone up to Detroit yet. And so, uh, you know, when, when the opening came up, I said, uh, by the way, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going to Detroit. And, and he got the job. And he took my place a couple times in Detroit when I needed someone. Uh, you know, I had different jobs sometimes, uh, full-time jobs, that would need me at nighttime, and I'd have to miss a ball game. Didn't miss many on the weekends. But, boy, on the week, if you've got an April game against Kansas City in Detroit uh, on a Tuesday night, you know, you're going to have 8,000 people there, so yeah. you're going to leave. Uh, Kevin Mullen is one. Uh, and then I worked directly... Uh, with uh, uh, Anthony Bellino. He, oh, yeah. he and I have worked together a lot, and he started interviewing me for different things when he was a college kid. And then, um, well, he's, I, I tease him all the time. I said, man, every time I leave something, you're standing there because he's the in-game host for the Mud Hens, yep. the in-game host for the Lions. Mm -hmm. uh, he is the voice for Michigan basketball, men and women. Mm -hmm. And he had filled in uh, a couple times I suggested that he fill in for me uh, when I couldn't make a Michigan game. Mm -hmm. And they liked him so much that when I moved to Florida, he was the heir apparent. Uh, and then a couple times he's reciprocated. You know, there's been um, uh, games in, at the University of Toledo mm -hmm. that he couldn't do for whatever reason. And so I did University of Toledo games, and that was, that was always a lot of fun. They were yeah, always sure. very good to me. And then Garrison Deal who, um, uh, you know, has a, a, a show on a station that, that you have as well. Mm -hmm. He did uh, high school football when I was the advisor for the broadcast club. And I was the PR director for a school system. So I got to know him. And, and then he came along with me. I needed a spotter one time when I was doing the, lot of the Detroit Lions games. And so he got that major league experience when he was like 19. Wow. Uh, and then there's there's Eric Freine. I know I, I never worked directly with Eric, although I gave him a lot of tips early on because he called me. His aunt and I worked together at Monroe Public Schools, and she says, you know, my, my nephew really wants to do what you're doing. And, and so sure enough, I talked to him, and uh, he got a job in the ticket department for the Red Wings. Well, when Bud left, he, you know, Eric was the heir apparent. Mm -hmm. And uh, that... It's those are four guys who I work directly with who um, are kind of making their mark now, and, I, and I'm kind of glad. You know, when you when you figure, I'm almost 70 years old. You know, and I've got almost 4,000 games under my belt. Someone else's turn. You know, I won't I won't always be here. Yeah. And uh, although I would have liked to have uh, walked out of the Tigers on my own instead of not being chosen, but uh, it's it's opened up other doors. Yep, well, one door closes, another one opens. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I was thinking about this. Uh, you know, I did, you know, my thing with Toledo with the Cherokee, and uh, over twenty years, and I didn't. I and never, I always told you I'd recommend you for any play-by-play -play job you went for. Oh, I, I, I you know, the thing is, <laughs> you were though, good. I used to I listen to you. I appreciate that, but you know what? I never. It never occurred to me to want to, because I've always. It. it I was just always loyal. To, to, to that Indian head and, and the people yeah. behind it. 
yeah. I was always loyal to them. But the reason I'm saying this isn't because, you know, yay Mick or anything. No, I'm saying it from a standpoint of all, all these things that everyone would say about this that I was doing and stuff. But And it's part, I think, of what I, when I see you, what I think of you doing it for. Yeah, it's nice that you, you get a paycheck from it and everything, mm-hmm. but it was never about the money. I mean, it was for I mean, at least for me, and I believe it to be true for you. I did it because of the love and the passion, and the, and just wanting to do a good job. Absolutely, and, and I I got to get in free for sports. Amen. Yes, <laughs> you got it, Bob. Yes. I didn't have to pay to get into the game. Yes, because that's what I tell. I'm like, if I didn't, if I didn't have that job doing the game for the Cherokee. I would be at the game as a fan watching. Well, even when I was in Florida, when I would come up periodically, when the Cherokee were playing, if I had a, an off night and I wasn't doing a Tiger game or I wasn't on the road heading back to Florida or coming from Florida, I went over to the Ice House to watch a game. In fact, I plan, now that I live back in this area, I plan to go see some more. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I've, I retired a couple years ago from it, but... Uh, I still, you know, like like when if they have if they have the season this season, it's like the first game of the season is always the exhibition game. That's always uh, soap night. That's where you get in free if you bring in soap or thing. That's so oh, that yeah. they get stocked for the season for the team to wash the jerseys and for the guys for them to uh, have all the uh, things that they need for road trips and stuff. And so they have the soap game. And so, I, I mean, I plan on having my trunk. I got a big old trunk. You could hide another car in it. <laughs> I plan on having that thing full for when I go for the soap game uh, coming up in September. So, you know, but, yeah, that's, you know, that's the kind of uh, the, the passion you have and the, and, and, the, and the love of just the love of the game. I never, you know, someone told me I did over 1,000 games, and I'm like, I didn't even know. I said simply because I said I didn't do it to know how many games I did or for – whatever reason i said i did it because i did it because i love the game and i love the team Uh, i i didn't make real money real money until i made it in detroit yep you know the other games uh, well it would pay for the gas and uh like with the uh storm and the walleye we always had to wear sport coats and stuff like that paid for the dry cleaning bill Uh, and then i'd always get a sandwich someplace on my way home you know that'd be another six eight bucks and so I, I would pretty much break even when I did the minor league stuff, but the the big leagues, it was yeah. it was not not a bad paycheck. No, it's not. But you still. But it wasn't. It then was a job, you yeah. know. When uh, there was no messing around. I mean, there, there wasn't messing around most of the time. Other times, but I mean, it was looser uh, when you did minor league stuff. You go in the major leagues. They told me my first day there. If it's not written on that piece of paper. I don't want to hear it on the PA system. Yep. So, like I say, it was a job, but they paid us well. Well, I look at it this way. When I had that job, I was one of only 30 guys in the world who had a major league announcing job. Yep. You can't ask for more than that. Um, Well, gee whiz, man. I I can't believe we've already blown through this like nothing. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, Two guys who like to talk. Yeah, what are the odds? (laughs) Um, uh, Now, uh, do you have any questions for me? I I always end every podcast with uh, if you have any questions at all for me. Yes. When are you going to get back on a microphone? Do Do not deny the people of Toledo from being able to hear your description of sports. Well, I still do some. Uh, we started 
many years ago, well, uh, back in 2006, I think, uh, well, back prior to that, I started doing hockey on the Internet uh, back in 1998. And so we started doing uh, streaming our broadcasts, and that was all well and good. But BCSN came around in about 2003 or four. And matter of fact, I think it was, no, it was like four or five. I remember them doing games that I announced mm-hmm. at, at the Ice House. Yeah, they uh, and they came around in, back then. And then they had, well, there was a bunch of us that were a part of it. And then they decided to go a little more corporate and have more professionals involved. So they had like, uh, you know, TV guys involved. So there was a bunch of us that they let go. Uh, so it was like, okay, I understand. So, but I didn't want to give up the ghost that easy so uh i a buddy of mine and i started the toledo sports network so we still do uh high school stuff we do uh, basketball football baseball we've even done professional wrestling uh we've done you name it we've done it yeah Um, well i still do it from time to time uh i do a little bit of that and we and usually it will air on uh, the cw affiliate in toledo and so we do stuff for them. And now, of course, the this year with everything being up in the air because of COVID, who knows what's going to happen. But I'm still going to be doing from time to time. I'll still. But as far as you know, like the Cherokee, I've I I love. I will I will always be a fan. I will be there. Uh, Zeke Fravor has been doing a bang up job over good there. Good guy so, too. Yes, good a guy. very good guy. Great family. And uh, I love him and love Jay both. Yeah, and, yep. and they're and, and Jay's parents too. No question about that with uh, Jeff and Sue. But I just I you know it's like I had to slow down a little bit because the boss she wants me to you know yeah. she wants me to be around a little bit now and I haven't been around her enough to the point where she's like. No, you need to go and do more sports. Yeah, enter, enter more games. Yeah. yeah, yeah, go do more games. Just go away. You, you know, want a funny so. story about Jay Fravor? Yes, always. For the longest time, he was the equipment guy for the storm. Yep. And he would bring the pucks over. He'd walk across right after they'd cut the ice, so it was, it was slippery. And he would walk across the ice and drop the pucks. And we would time it so I was always done with my announcements. Uh, this is when we were still in the sports arena. And then he would walk back across uh, safely, generally, and I would say, and uh, that's our equipment man, uh, Jay Fravor, and this is the 387th time he safely walked across the ice without falling. And we'd get the number up there. And one time, he and I had it all worked out where we were going to do 750. It's a new ECHO record. (laughs) He fell on his bottom, (laughs) and everybody... (laughs) Everybody went nuts. Oh well, my we had, god! We had something one time too where I was set up where I had to, I had to fight with one of the disc jockeys on the on the ice. It was set up, mm-hmm. and it was a lady disc jockey, and uh, you know because she was saying on the her radio show she wanted my job and all this kind of stuff, and I'd phone in and say no, you can't have it and that kind of stuff. So we made arrangements. We're going to fight at center ice. So we're we're squaring out at center ice uh, in one of the intermissions one night. And, you know, when you fight, you grab the, yeah. the jersey and up over the head. She says, Virgil's, you can't do that. I said, what do you mean? You can't do that. I said, why is that? I'm not wearing anything under the oh, jersey. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. 
Do you remember what station she was from? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I remember who she was, too. But okay. she, she would absolutely come after me. Uh, and I think she's still in Toledo. But I got oh. hit in the head with a, with a Frisbee thrown by a Hooter girl one time, too. Oh. She didn't realize that if a six-foot-four man is standing in front of you, maybe you need to step to either side to throw the Frisbee past him. Now, did you ever get challenged to fights from fans? Not from fans, but I had, uh, I had players... Uh, a guy by the name of Daryl Noren, my first year. Daryl Noren was with, um, oh, uh, one of the, the teams that became um, a National Hockey League team. Uh, Raleigh? You, no, it wasn't Raleigh. It was, um, oh, gosh. Nashville? Nashville Knights? No, it wasn't Nashville. Their uniforms looked like uh, Montreal Canadiens back then. The first year that I did games. And I, the way the referee signaled, I thought it was a high stick, but it was something else. And I announced a penalty. He says, hey, you dumb A. He says, uh, you got the penalty wrong. And bam, he took his stick and hit me right in the shin. Ow. Yeah, yeah, that hurt. It really hurt. I'm trying to think. Uh, um, gosh. Wasn't Roanoke, was it? No, it wasn't Roanoke. But it was, it was down in that neck of the woods. Because back then, the ECHL, you played everybody. Yeah. But the, the teams that were, like, far away, you play them once. Yeah. And, like, we played Raleigh once. Uh, we, Roanoke Valley had come in once. I'm trying to think. Was it uh, Richmond? Uh, no, it wasn't Richmond. No, because uh, they had Flyers colors, I remember back then. Yeah, they then. did. Yeah, they were orange, orange and white. Um, oh, hmm. I, That's going to bug me now. Greensboro. Greensboro. Okay, Greensboro, the Monarchs. The Greensboro Monarchs. Yep. Uh-huh. And, man, he just whapped me in, 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 the, in the shin. And, boy, did that hurt. That really hurt. And, I, you know, well, the... Uh, Years ago, Storm had a guy by the name of Kevin Kerr near the end of his career. Yep. Still the all-time leading scorer in minor league hockey. And Kerr would get a penalty, and he'd come over, and he'd start saying, well, hey, you know, on that last goal, you only had one assist. I, I really had the other assist on that goal. <laughs> and I said, you know what, Kevin? You weren't even on the ice. <laughs> and he got a smile. Because uh, he, played, he played in the ECHL. He played up in uh, the U-Haul League. Uh, the yes, old Colonial League. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. I'm trying to remember who he played. I think he played with uh, the Detroit Falcons. Because mm-hmm. that's who I used to he go up there. He Cincinnati, too. Yes. Yes, he did. Because I went to go see them play up. I seen, uh, went up to the Fraser Ice Arena up there to see the uh, Falcons play all the time. Uh, Jock the Mailman Mayotte. Oh, I remember. Yeah. M-A-I-L-H-O-T. Yep. I was there one night when he and another guy got in a fight and then came back out on the ice and fought. After they've been kicked out of the game. Yep. That's, that was the, the mailman. He was a piece of work. Yeah. Oh. He was a piece of work. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, is that now, uh, you know, Fraser Ice Arena, they're now going to have a minor league hockey team coming up. Uh, this I did season. see that. Yeah, the Motor that. City Rockers. Yeah, next year. Yeah, ne- well, provided we have a next year. But, yeah, 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 they are going to be, yeah, they're going to take the ice uh, at Fraser. So I remember, like I said, I'm, I'm so – you know, I'd like to go see a couple of games up there. But they were the Detroit Falcons. They were in the Colonial Hockey League. And then it was the, the U-Haul League, the, yeah. U, the United Hockey League. Yep, yep. So, oh, my gosh, that is too funny. I remember because I used to go up there and uh, who was it? A lot of guys were the, interchangeable. You'd see a guy in the ECHL one week and you'd see him in the Colonial League Well, you the know, week. the reason also is because there was a, a broadcaster, no less, uh, who broadcast for Muskegon for the Fury. I believe. Terry Ficarelli. No, 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 this was before him. 
Okay. And it may have not because it wasn't Fick. It was um, matter of fact. Here I'll tell you, it may have been it may have been Utica, and here's why, because he was the original, and you'll know this answer. He was the original broadcaster for the Toledo Storm. Ed Corwin. Amen. The, the late Eddie Corwin. Steady yep. Eddie Corwin died about two years ago. Yep. About fifty some years old. He. Uh, I ran into him up there. And he was doing he was doing the game, and he asked me. He goes, so you know, with that uh, that accent, is yeah. so is uh, is Jeff Gibbons doing a really good job? Yeah. <laughs> and, stuff, and I said, yeah, he's doing fine, and stuff like that. I said, but uh, not the same without you. And uh, but he was yeah he was doing uh, he was doing a U-Haul league up there, and uh, no, Fick was a piece of work. Uh, he because he did uh, Muskegon, then he did Cincinnati. Yes, he went down to uh, when they when they had their I think when they were in the AHL when they had the Mighty Ducks because they had both teams up. Oh th- yes, back they then. did. Yes, they had they the did. Mighty Ducks because they were the Anaheim affiliate, and then they also had the uh, Cyclones, and they were called something else too. I think they were called the not the Fury, but uh, oh, were they the Stingers? No, that was no, a, that was the WHA team. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember what they were, but anyhow. Uh, yeah, it's like I remember those guys really well. Uh, who are some of the guys that you really liked listening to uh, as a guy, since you're being, being an announcer and also a broadcaster? Who are some of the guys that you really enjoyed listening oh, to? For hockey? Yes, or baseball. I don't care. Uh, well, of course, Ernie Harwell. Oh, yes. You, you, you know, starting to end the, the list with him. Um, I really liked him. I like Dan Dickerson a lot. Yes. Plus, Dan Dickerson's a nice guy. Uh, Mario Mpemba, who did Tiger Games on TV for a long time, I and then love was Mario released. Yep. A, a nice guy, nice guy, total pro. Uh, I really liked him a lot. Um, hockey wise, you know, I I, I like Bruce Martin a lot. Uh, I've been kind of out of touch with uh, the Red Wings the last few years. Uh, Kenny Cal uh, does a does a good job. What I do is I close my eyes and see if I can tell where the puck is, and mm-hmm. and he follows very well. Um, uh, that, those are the guys that really stand out. I've always enjoyed working with the guys who were with the Storm and with the Walleye. Well, it's only oh, been Matt Melzack with Walleye, yeah. but uh, when uh, Jason Griffin was mm-hmm. uh, with the Storm and uh, then there was uh, Eddie Corwin, there was Mark Gibbons, or uh, Jeff Gibbons, and then Mark, he's with Mark Reading Kelly. now. Mark Kelly. Yeah, he's with the Reading Royals now. Um, those guys, I, you know, and I never got a chance to listen to them much because, well, one, the radio station didn't have a very good signal, and I lived in Michigan, so I couldn't hear the, the road games very often. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't hear them when they did the games because I was also announcing. But I knew that they were nice guys because we, we worked together. Sure. Uh, a lot of people don't remember that Rich Kincaid one time did games for the Toledo Storm. Uh, he was with WJR for a long time. Yeah, I remember him. Well, was let go for some reason. Ended up in Toledo. Was there for one or one year, and then uh, I would see Rich up in the press box with the Tigers. And one time he he stopped me. He said, "I've heard you talk. Your voice sounds so familiar. How have I heard, how have I heard you before?" <laughs> I said, "Toledo Storm Championship." <laughs> I held my ring out to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're the guy that was a PA guy. Yeah, yeah. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is but uh, he, he was a good guy. I'd, it was always kind of fun working with him because he had been in the big leagues, and 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 he kind of was different than the rest of the guys because he had been in the big leagues. Yeah. 
That's the thing. They don't. They, you can tell guys that who, if they've been in the big leagues and then they come down to the minors, it's like they're a little different. I, I know I had a little trouble last mm-hmm. summer. I did games for the Lakeland Flying Tigers down in Florida, uh, Class A. Mm-hmm. I was the lead guy there. And I, try, I told myself going in, I'm not going to major league these guys because they're kids. It's pretty much their first job. All are interns, stuff like that. But sometimes you just get so used to the way you did things and the, the uh, attention to quality mm-hmm. that if somebody does something and it's not, oh, man, you want to spin me up? That'll do it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> now, uh, I, I have to also think, too, did you ever get to meet or spend time with uh, the uh, one of the guys that really I also really enjoyed a lot, uh, the late, great uh, Mr. Chase, Bob Chase from Fort Wayne? I met him several times because, see, Fort Wayne was, they only came into the ECHL like in my last year, last two years. The times I did meet him is when I would be a fan and I'd run up to go see Melzack before the game and say hi, and I'd see Denny Robidoux and some of the guys, and I'd go up and say hi. And then Matt would say something about, oh, it must be senior citizen night here. We got Chase here, <laughs> and oh, <wow>. you're here too. <laughs> Go but I, I met him a couple of times. That was that was kind of cool to meet him, and, and I got to meet Ficarelli too because he came in with who did he come in with Indianapolis. Okay, and uh, I remembered him when I was a student at Western Michigan University because he did the Muskegon games. They yeah. were the I might have even been the Mohawks back then. Oh my! And and my senior year, my junior year at uh, Western Michigan, we didn't have the K wings yet. Wasn't until my senior year that the K Wings came. So when we wanted hockey, we drove to Muskegon, okay. or we drove down to Fort Wayne. Um, trying to think where else we would go, but those are the two closest places. My goodness! Well, I tell you what, I could sit here all night. Seriously, I, could I gotta sit let here. you go because I have to go make a phone call yep. that's on a timer. <laughs> oh lordy! All righty. Well, I tell you what, Bob, I cannot begin to tell you how much I've enjoyed doing this. This was so fun. I really, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I may break my own rule and have you back on again because <laughs> I, th- th- by that I mean is that how I picked this, I picked the people on this, is that I enter as many names that have been with the Cherokee or even part of the league uh, that I know that I'm friends with, and I throw 20 years worth all into a, 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 a file. And there's a little software thing I have that says uh, draw from a hat. And it pulls names at random. Oh. And so I pull names at random. And that's how I do this. Well, this has been, uh, I, I love every everyone I've done so far. I've had an absolute ball doing. I just, it's just that for me, for this is, I guess for me, because it's, uh, I, I, a broadcaster to a broadcaster. Yeah. I, I do. I don't dare even attempt to talk about you know what my resume is versus yours because that's not even. That's a. Oh, I, but, I don't know. You you stuck with the Cherokee for a long time, and if and if you put your name in the hat for that hockey job, you have my business card that has all my contact stuff on it. You put me down as a uh, well, as a reference. I, you are awesome, but I appreciate that and I'm grateful for that, but. Uh, I am. I'm at that point now in my life where I just want to give back. I want to. That's my way of thanking people because I've been able to uh, watch a lot of well, broadcast a lot of sports. But more importantly to me, I got to watch a lot of sports. I yeah. didn't get, have to pay for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? When and I saw I get, how much tickets are, I go, really? 
I, did, I have no clue, you know, because I, I always got to have a microphone and channel my inner 12-year-old. How much fandom. is a beer? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Are you kidding? <laughs> let, me, let me take out a loan for that first. Yeah, really? Yeah. You know, it's like, my goodness. But, no, that's just that's where I'm at now, where I just am so grateful because I didn't get where I got on my own. As much as I'd like the people say, you know, you did this and you did that, and that's great. But, no, I didn't get there on my own, man. I had all these people that – uh, may help make my job easy, and they really did the the work, and they're the ones that. And all I did was just sit there and talk about it. But I just well, that was I, me too. Yeah, you know, if you can be as the best guy in the world, but if somebody doesn't give you a chance, and then you don't have a good support organization, they'll never know what your talent was. And yeah, you'll you'll yeah. never get your chance. That's so why to this day both I, very I, lucky that I'm way. always loyal to that or, this organization. I will always be loyal and uh, forever grateful. So uh, that's why I always tell them, if you guys need anything, you let me know because I'll, you know, like I said, gratitude. That's my well, heart. Let's, 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 uh, let's uh, make a pact here that you and I will go to a Cherokee game at least once this year and we'll sit in the stands together and, we, and we'll try not to do play-by-play or yeah. PA. Or PA, yeah. I'm, I, I tend to be very critical of people who put a mic in front of themselves. Yeah, that's true. I understand that. I, I, tend, I try real hard not to. Yeah, I know. And I, think I, I try too, but I just give up. I, say, oh. I mean, you know, it's, it is. It's really hard to do that it's just when you're so used to it. And then it's like, I'm like, would I be that good? And it's like, no. But we'll see. But anyway, but no, I promise you I will do that. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, thank you so much for this. This has been an absolute blast. Oh, same here. Oh, God, I, this, is, this is a lot of fun. A lot amen, of fun. Amen to that. Well, that's going to do it from here. Chateau Louise, uh, big thank you to my good friend and my guest here, Mr. Bob Virgils. And, of course, you know, we drop these every Wednesday and Saturday. So please check all your, uh, your podcast sites, whether it be iHeart, TuneIn, uh, Spotify, you name it, and we will be on there. So just put in Cherokee Rewind, it'll pop it up for you. We thank you so much for that. And for everybody here at Chateau Louise, I am mixing. We'll talk to you again next time right here on the Cherokee Rewind. <laughs>